Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At MidwayUSA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Alright, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin and Chuck. Alright, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the CBs. Uh, definitely, I think, uh, you know, it's the Basic Badass Podcast. And I gotta say, the uh, the CBs kind of fit into that, that badass category. You know, we fight, we build, right? I mean, what, what else is there? We build and we fight, which is it, Kevin? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We we build and we, we fight. Build and we fight. That's it. All right. So here's the thing. Well, I don't know if you guys, if you've been listening a long time, you already know this, but me and Kevin were both uh, in the Navy. And I know when I picked out my stuff, I was a young, uh, young married guy. And uh, I, I ended up, I, I had a kid pretty early on. And uh, so I... I, in my mind, I wanted to be, oh, I want to do EOD or a SEAL or something badass and, and go of a lifetime of kicking ass. But ingrained in me somewhere, I felt like I had to, had to uh, just have a, uh, uh, let me think, like, like a, a sense of responsibility to provide, you know, provide for my family. Um, maybe it's a right. part of the German upbringing or you know, whatever it is, I don't know, but I just felt like if I just do something, it's kind of, I know it sounds crazy, but it's selfish to my family. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm cheating my family of what I owe them. If I go do something like that, like, you know, everybody wants to be a firefighter or go join the FBI or whatever, but you know, something cool, you know, I mean, maybe it's not the FBI, maybe the government bothers you too much and I know they're painted in a little bit of an ugly light these days. Um, you know, Trump calls them bad things or whatever. I, I don't know. Basically, everybody in government calls the FBI bad things. Depends, you know, what their ruling is that day. You know, they're they're always 
taking mm-hmm. sides, even though the sides might be opposite every other week. You know how it is. Right. So anyway, I, I felt like I had to choose a career that would kind of get me paid in the long run, you know, where I'd be able to take care of my family and be a provider later. And so I was a uh, electronic technician. I fixed like radios, radars, that kind of stuff. And to me, it was something that was going to get me paid and, and at least a job and a career path. I wasn't really down for sitting down for college and that kind of thing. Although I kind of got blindsided with that one because Apparently the Navy sent me to school for forever and, and it just felt like college anyway, you know, but anyway, this is, I think what got me thinking too about the Seabees is they really have opportunities and these guys are badass. All right. So the Seabees fall into a bunch of different, what is it? Seven, eight rates. I think it's eight different rates. Yeah. Um, You can be a builder. Um, this guy's like a straight construction guy. And like, by the time you get to a builder first class, you're basically like a construction supervisor. You know, you're, you're able to go out and get paid and you sure as hell should be able to build a house. Um, you know, at the end of it, Kevin, uh, do you think, I mean, are these skills, are are they going to be able to follow codes and like, that's going to pay off in the outside world when you're a builder in the, the CBs? Yeah, I think I think really what the uh, the benefit of the CB is CBs is that um, you know it's always pushed that it's a, a can do attitude. You know what I mean? It's regardless of what's going on, you're going to complete your task ahead of schedule. Nice, you know. And I think that's a in big demand with with people doing construction. I I can't tell you how many shit jobs I've been on where you know they bid a certain price and get in with the low bid and then. You know, then start stacking up money on top of that. Oh, we got to do this too. We got to do this too. And a job runs over, nothing gets done right. Yeah. You know, everybody's dragging ass. And that's not the type of uh, mentality you go into when uh, when you're coming out of the CBs. Um, I was uh, stationed with a CB unit down in Little Creek, uh, Amphibious Construction Battalion 2. Um, now, that was, that was basically... Uh, um, landing crafts on the beach, you know, landing uh, barges on the beach and then driving equipment off and uh, transferring. Uh, they would sink big, uh, big uh, fuel bladders out in the uh, water off the beach and run a hose up and pump it into and, you know, pump it into vehicles. So that way that the fuel tank couldn't be damaged, you know, because it was basically it was underwater and uh, everything would just be pumped up onto the beach to, to, you know, fuel everything, whether it's diesel, uh, jet fuel, gasoline. And, um, you know, basically the the whole idea of what I liked about being with the CB unit is the whole idea was that no matter how difficult it is, you get it done ahead of time, not, you know, whatever. Even if it's impossible, it might just take a little bit longer. That's what they'd say, you know, whatever it was, it would get done and it'd get done fast. Now, there's a lot of uh, – I think there's seven ratings here. So there's a construction electrician, construction mechanic, engineer aide, equipment operator, steel worker, and utilities man. Now, a lot of that stuff really has to do with getting the hot water going, You know, getting people uh, access to showers, getting people access to, to clean drinking water, um, You know, setting up 
setting up uh, kitchens and setting them up field field hospitals and things like that, getting getting the projects together. Now, the Seabees were founded in, in 1942, and a lot of the um, the original guys that were in the CB units were not actually military guys. They were actually construction workers that were sent overseas. And uh, most of it was in uh, in the Pacific Theater, but there were there were Seabees uh, in uh, uh, Normandy and things like that. Now, most of them are establishing beachheads, so it's not you know in in depth fighting. But in the Pacific, a lot of that was just you know it was all beachhead, it was all islands, it was all you know small little areas that you'd go in, and a lot of it was uh, was paving, building runways, building roads to for transportation. And what they found was a lot of these construction workers were, were getting shot at and killed. Um, so they initially started by just arming them, you know, by just giving them weapons. And then they in, introduced that, you know, then they turned it into an actual uh, Navy battalion, Navy rating. Yeah, that seems to be a theme with the military is like, oh, let's just give them guns and then it'll be fine. Because, I mean, if they have guns, come on. Right. Right. But these guys were construction workers. Yeah. And they were burly mean. Since we're not going to train them how to use the guns, we'll just tell them don't put any bullets in it. But if they have guns, Mm -hmm. then they're going to be safer. Then it's good. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these guys were were mean, burly guys. And and you don't have a tank, but maybe you have a bulldozer and, and that just works that way, you know? Um. I know there's a, a John Wayne movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh, I think it was The Fighting Seabees is the name of the movie from like the maybe 1965 or something like that, black and white. And it was a terrible movie, just just awful, you know. But what I find what I would find a lot is is with the Seabees, they would be working with uh, special forces and advanced areas you know what i mean it's not um you know they're not like way behind the front lines they're ahead of the front lines you know moving equipment forward and uh you know repairing roads repairing uh railroad tracks and that sort of stuff and getting things you know moving to make a spearhead into enemy lines so a lot of the time it would be um be an active combat zone while they were while they're building and defending the equipment or defending the structures they're building and the, uh, you know, the roads and, and that sort of stuff. So it was definitely an interesting thing. I know when I was in the Seabees, we spent a lot of time uh, training with, um, you know, defending convoys and uh, that sort of stuff. I know the equipment operators were, you know, those were some legit guys whenever I worked with them. They they knew their stuff and they, you know, they were some ballsy motherfuckers, you know, they were, they would, they had no problem risking very expensive equipment just to see if it could drive through four feet of water or not, you know, reckless a little bit. The but, thing is you, know, you have your own mechanic on staff. So that's right. And you can tow it out. You just pull it back out. You hook a cable on it and yank it out. It's always you know? another bigger it's, vehicle it's, to grab it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That was, I was actually watching some of the videos on, on CB uh, attachments and stuff. And that was like the first thing that struck me was, damn, they have some awesome fucking vehicles. Everywhere I looked, I'm like, that thing's badass. Look where that could go. Holy shit, you know? That yeah, they have yeah. some cool shit. Yeah. So there's one story about um 
guy named Marvin Shields. He was a, uh, uh, I believe he was equipment operator. Um, and they're building a runway in Dongzhou, which is uh, which was 40, uh, 50 miles north of Saigon during uh, Vietnam, 1965. So they were out at this uh, uh, advanced base here. There are 11 uh, Green Berets there of uh, Special Attachment A342 and 400 local fighters there. Um, and they came under attack from uh, about 2,000 Viet Cong. Um, they fired uh, about 400 uh, mortar rounds into the base, the military base there. Uh, and Shields was uh, was wounded. Um, so they they started returning fire and uh, – uh, Marvin Shields was he was moving you know ammo and stuff forward and and uh, you know firing uh, at the enemy and got shot in the face a set you know a second wound which I mean I've never been shot in the face it sounds unpleasant but you know he just kept kept working on it and uh, the Viet Cong ended up setting a uh, setting up a, a machine gun nest up above where the where the uh, um where the green berets were and uh second lieutenant charles quincy williams uh asked for a volunteer and shields volunteered to go up there and what they did was they they loaded up rocket launchers and uh were able to get around the nest and and blow it up but on their way back shields got shot through the legs both you know both legs one bullet went through both legs so they drug him back and uh you know he didn't make it he didn't make it when they you know of all the people that that were there, fi- only fifteen people survived, and only one of the fifteen people wasn't wasn't wounded. But he got the Medal of Honor for you know for conspicuous bravery and going above and beyond the call of duty. And uh, you know I think a lot of those the guys that I worked with in the CB units were I don't want to say crazy, but they were a little bit crazy. You know what I mean? They're a little bit they'd go a little bit further. You know, concussion was like just a minor thing you brush off you know i saw guys with broken jaws and like you know just from being reckless and doing crazy shit which i i really like those types of people i like people that are reckless and do dangerous stuff and that's really what those guys really were to me they were just people that were no matter what happened you were getting the job done you know that was what you were doing that was your mission and you accomplished it no matter what and, uh, you know, that's an important aspect, I think, of anybody that's in the military. Right. That whole work hard, play hard kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like uh, I, I seem to remember some shenanigans. Uh, I, I was in um, Panama and uh, and there was there was military housing kind of and uh I, I seem to remember just crazy stories. You know, they would, uh, they, they, I remember guys freaking uh, throwing concussion grenades in into the base housing. Cause you know, let, let's see what happens. <laughs> Turns out those concrete buildings, just every window just goes out. And we come over and we're like, what the hell did you guys do? Well, you know, the, we just wanted to see what would happen and it would be funny. And, but again, I think these were the same yeah, guys that were it probably like was fun. knocking over pizza guys on 
scooters just because hey let's see what happens you know and I'm like, <laughs> but you're kind of an yeah, and free pizza on this one you know it's yeah but whatever to each their own right no that's it they uh the the cbs you know just really are that the cool thing now is you know you're awesome in in wartime you're awesome in peacetime because they're out doing humanitarian stuff um i believe you know i I was watching videos. They're showing them do stuff back here in the States, helping people out, you know, bringing, bringing relief to, to different areas, which I don't know how that conflicts with, you know, things that the military is allowed to do, but somehow that's what they were doing. Um, they also had, uh, in 1955 operation deep freeze up in Antarctica. Is it up or is it down? Which mm-hmm. one? I, I don't even know. Damn. It's down. Okay. No yeah. penguins. That's the south. Yeah. No penguins in the south, or is it the penguins? South? No polar bears. Oh, no bears. Yeah. That's penguins right. penguins down south. Polar bears and, up north. Right. That's the one. See, this is what you bring to the show. This is why I. Oh uh... <laughs> uh, yeah yeah. So anyway, I believe they built a two hundred. Um, CBs built a 6,000 foot ice runway and mm-hmm. and then like I think they actually had to build it twice like they built it and then all of a sudden it got destroyed or, or messed up and then they had to start over you know like Shamu came busting up through the middle of it or something I, I don't really know what happened yeah that happens but you know that's it it's you, you say fuck and then you move on and you do the next you know the next thing and that's that's kind of the whole thing, though, is people, employers who've been in the military or, or no military people love to hire, you know, veterans. Um, I actually got my job because I went to a uh, military headhunter where they will only find jobs for military people because employers are, you know, there's a group of employers out there who are looking for people who, you know, Hey, how many days did you call in sick when you were in the military? Right? But like right. zero. None. I'm guessing, yeah. you know, it zero. doesn't happen. So if an employer can look for that kind of thing, it really, you know, sets you apart. You know, you're the guy who, you know what, I gotta get it done or people die. You know, that's a different kind of mindset. Um, and honestly, a lot of the times the training kind of reflects it. Now you may not, the government doesn't always provide you with the best schools, although I felt like I did have really good schools um, in the Navy. But what I find is the people find a way to, you know, those who know teach the other ones and, and you find a way to get the information out there because when lives are at stake, people, you know, find a way to get it done. And that's one of the biggest things. You know, it's funny, uh, early on, in my uh, working career, when I was about 19, I kept calling my boss and I'd be like, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do here. I don't know, whatever. And he's like, well, I've never had this problem before, but what do you think? You know? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know what's right. And, you know, I don't know. And he's like, look, just ask yourself, you know, what would I do? And freaking, you know, do it your own damn self, you know, but that's kind of that. Right that attitude that you get in the military, you know, where, all right, what do I need to solve this problem? You know, what, 
you know, we'll say, all right, this radio doesn't work. Okay. Well, to make the radio work, what do I need? Well, I need five volts here. I need 24 volts here. And, and I need a five megahertz signal here and, you know, different things. I need an antenna. I need whatever. So start checking things. All right. Which one don't you have? Well, what makes that happen? You know, it's that whole approach of how to solve a problem. You know, they always, Mm -hmm. you know, it's that whole, you know, you get people who, the guys I work with now, they're like, we're like, oh, you know, you couldn't troubleshoot your way out of a wet paper bag. You know, it's just, you got to find a way to think outside the box and get shit done. And I think the military really brings that. And I think the CBs are like the epitome of that. You know, they really are guys who find a way to get it done. And that's that's just something that sets it apart. One thing I noticed uh, when I was in the CBs is they had a, a knack for acquiring, acquiring things, uh, acquiring the equipment that they need. Some people might call that stealing. Um, you know, whatever, that's splitting airs. You know what I mean? Uh, but you acquire what you need and, and you get the job done whether it's to the detriment of everybody around you, you know, what you have to do gets done regardless of what it takes. And I thought that that was a great, uh, great attitude that I've kind of taken, taken with me, you know, uh, to the rest of my life. Is that where all my stuff you know, is, it is going? What, it is what is, it is. You get it done. Kevin finds That's a way why to you don't have anything. Going in my it's truck. all my basement. Yeah. And it's in your basement. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. Uh, it's funny. My employer, uh, I, I'm in maintenance for a big company and uh, they have uh, all these, we get, when you get there, they're like, oh, we're going to buy this giant toolbox and we're going to fill it up with all the tools and, and make it, you know, everything you want it to be. So great. We all have these giant, you know, six foot long toolboxes that are, you know, four feet high and two feet wide. So first we all had them in this designated area. And then they're like, all right, you know what? We don't like that. Um, you need to shrink that area because we need storage space. So they cut it down mm-hmm. and we're all like eight inches off the next toolbox. You got to kind of push them around to, to get tools out. And it's ridiculous. I mean, we have a, a tool bag that, you know, we, we take with us. That's more your day to day. These are kind of the, all right, I need something bigger, you know, to, to handle a job. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so then they were like, all right, we don't want your stuff here anymore. You need to move to way over on the other side of the plant and put all your stuff there. And we're like, all right. So they move them all there and we, it's like a month process, right? Getting everybody to do it and find the time and find the space, whatever. We move all these toolboxes. And then yesterday we get an email. Um, you can no longer keep your toolboxes here. Now, mind you, it's only been like two months since we just moved them to the new uh, area they picked because we decided we right. needed this space also. So you need to find somewhere. Now, we're talking about about 50 toolboxes. Mm-hmm. You guys need to find somewhere to keep your toolbox, and it can't be on any of the production lines. And we're like... Uh, Okay. And they're, you know, and we're like, yeah, that's not anywhere at all. So I sent back in the email. I'm like, look, I'm willing to take my toolbox home. I'll keep it at my house. 
And if I decide I'm going to need a tool that day, I'll bring it into work with me. And so we'll, we'll see how that works out. But to be honest, dude, I think they might go for it. That's how messed up the whole thing is. I think they're going to be like, well, you know, that's a good idea. Because they actually proposed, if you can't find it, it's one of these, you just figure it out. I don't want to know about it. You know, that's that's kind of right. the, the attitude this is your of the problem. world anymore. And they were like, and, and what they do is they turn it into something ugly for you if you don't solve it. But it's all the whole wink and a nod thing, you know. So they're like, well, if you guys can't figure out how to make 50 toolboxes disappear, then we're going to cut it down to two and have like uh, an electrician and a mechanic toolbox and everybody can share it. And, you know, anybody who's worked in a shop, have you ever wondered why when you go to the car garage, they all have their own separate toolbox? Like when you go to the shop mm -hmm. and you're like, that's weird. Yeah. And you know, you see employers yeah. are like, must have your own tools. There's a reason for that. Because mm -hmm. if you share a toolbox with another guy, let alone 50 other guys, it turns out the tools are always there tools when there. you go back. But so I, I also don't know if we cut down the two toolboxes, what happens to the rest of them? And then they sent us a letter. If you leave your toolbox in an unapproved area, we're going to auction it off. And if it doesn't have keys to open it up, we're going to auction it off without with the tools in it. And I'm like, shit, I might want to bid on my toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> like this sounds like that. a great idea. And I'm like. You won't have to even have to drill out the lock. Yeah. I, I think I might be taking the toolbox home is all I'm saying. But. I, I did put in a request that I'm going to need a new, nicer toolbox if uh, we're going to move forward like this. So I think they'll approve that because yeah. that's how we do things. <clears throat> so overall, uh, you know, I think that that's uh, if you're looking to to join a mil the military, uh, the CBs definitely would be a, a great option. You know, as far as uh, ratings that you have when you get out, um, the the I've worked a lot in construction and I I'm pretty good at it and I like doing it and I like the people involved with it for the most part. And uh, you know, th it's not a bad idea to to know how to weld, you know, to know how to operate backhoes and bulldozers. It's not a not a bad idea to have these skills uh, going out into the world, especially when you're getting out of the the military and you're, you know, 20, 25 years old or something like that. You're still a young guy, but, um, you know, employers really do look for that sort of attitude. They look for that sort of, uh, know how and that ability to get things done, regardless of the obstacles that you come up against. That's it. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing coming out of the military is, you know, most people, obviously it's a mix, you know, it's not, you know, everybody doesn't end up, taking away they don't learn all the lessons available to them but it's that can-do attitude you know it's that i get shit done i you know i know how to make things happen that employers who know what they're looking for you know get pretty excited about um mm -hmm. she got now yeah. uh i was we were talking uh, a little bit earlier about um 
Biden's new plan to uh, solve the gun crisis yes. in the United States. I'm excited. The quote unquote crisis that we're dealing with. Now, I know that, you know, uh, that whatever hundreds of people die every every uh, year. Uh, oh, you mean in Chicago you're talking and, uh, Whatever, dude. <laughs> you know, I mean, 141 people on average die every day in car accidents and nobody says a fucking thing about it. You know, that's what gets, lets you know that this is a political issue, not an actual concern about saving people's lives. You know, if they're really worried about saving people's lives, they'd, you know, focus on, on vehicles, not on, on guns. But whatever, dude. Uh, you know, it's sad when, when one person ends up killing, you know, 10, 10 other people. And it's sad when it's based on, like, nonsense that's, you know, racist bullshit. Uh, I know that guy in uh, – oh, shit, where was it? Up in New um, York? That guy that shot up the uh, Taiwanese church. Um, oh, yeah. He was Chinese and was upset about Taiwan and, and went and wanted to – kill a bunch of Taiwanese people for whatever reason. I don't understand any of that sort of nonsense, but he really threw off the whole demographics demographics. Cause he was like 60, a 68 year old Chinese man. And I don't understand. That's not really the, the typical shooter, no, it's but I guess he was upset about politics kid with, uh, with mental issues. Yeah, that's generally what it is. But you know, I mean, if you're going to solve that, there's no reason to look at mental health. It's really more important to just take away the tools that somebody would use, uh, whether legally or illegally. Um, you know, whatever. Guns kill people. People don't kill people, I guess. And uh, that's how you solve that problem. But now it's uh, so they're trying to push through some some uh, really um, gross laws, which. Uh, to me, I mean, I feel like the Constitution specifically says the federal government can't be involved in making gun laws, but I guess I don't understand the Constitution. I've I've only read it, you know, twenty or thirty times. I don't understand that's why how that works. Yep. And uh, you know, I guess I guess Joe Biden understands it better than I do. Uh, he has maybe read a different version that I don't know about. Um, well, his version, but I, I know he mentioned a, that it has the good and plenty clause. So. Good and plenty, huh? Yeah, yeah. Good and plenty I've heard about clause. this. Yeah, that's where he gets a lot of his yeah. stuff from. It's the good and plenty clause. So, mm-hmm. so they're talking about uh, making a full registry of who owns firearms in the United States, which is a terrible idea. Um, get a good list of everybody that that is armed in the in the country, and then when it's time, you can just go around and go to all those addresses. It's going to be real easy. I'm sure all those people are going to answer the door and welcome officers into their house to take their shit. Uh, won't be dangerous for anybody, I but I mean, if that's problem. what you want to do, right. yeah, if that's what you want to do, that's that's fine. The problem is that um, the secret's out. You know, it's not um, it's not it's not like you can't build a gun in your basement. What? You know, I don't understand it. The technology is not that complicated. You can make your own gunpowder. You can make your own guns. It's not difficult to do. Uh, so I don't understand why they think that they can ban things that you can just build in your house with, you know, with with some uh, pipe and, and – I mean, whatever, dude. Fuck those guys. Seriously. There you go. Oh, I, think, I think we've definitely got to the point where I'm kind of like, well, most of the laws are just whatever the fuck they want and – 
it's them and they do what they want to do and and I'm going to do what I got to do. And it's time to start thinking about taking care of your own shit and protecting your family and being responsible for you. Um, Trying to comply with every ridiculous nuance that there is out there in the world is kind of impossible. And I think that's one of those things is when they make so many laws, you know, you end up at the point where it's like, look, man, which ones do you want me to follow? Well, you need to follow the intent. But if I intend to screw with you, then, you know, then I'm going to, you know, nickel and dime it down to whatever I can do to put you out of commission. And, and that's how yeah, it Well, and it let's goes. be honest. The the Supreme Court ruled that that uh, uh, an officer cannot search your vehicle uh, over a traffic infraction. Uh, so if he pulls you over for speeding, he can't just search your car without any sort of cause. That was ruled by the Supreme Court because it's not possible to obey all the traffic laws. You can't you can't physically obey all the the traffic laws at all times. It's just not well, possible. I mean, and uh, you know, I mean, I'm sorry. I thought this was fucking America. I thought that I was free here, but apparently not. Apparently I got to like just take it up the ass from whatever politician is feeling whatever way he's feeling that day. You know, I'm sorry you're having your fucking period this week, but I still got my own rights. I still do whatever the fuck I want to do. You know, you're not the boss of me. Well, that's, but, that's, I mean, whatever. Yeah. Maybe I don't understand. Oh, don't understand this life. There anymore. you go. That's the thing is like, oh my God. The little filament in the light bulb on your license plate went out while you were driving or God forbid it went out a week ago and you didn't notice because you don't go check your license plate light every time you get in the vehicle because it, God forbid, may have been daylight when you started driving and now it's dusk and yeah, I got pulled over three months ago by the state troopers Uh, was about two in the morning and that's why they pulled me over. I was actually working, but they pulled me over cause it was two in the morning and exactly that my license plate light was out and state trooper came up to me. I rolled down the window, gave her license, gave him license registration. And uh motherfucker said, I smell alcohol, bitch. You smell alcohol cause it's two in the morning and, and you're hoping that I'm drunk so you can get a good ticket out. I haven't had anything to drink for a fucking week and you want to fuck with me. I'm working. You know what I mean? I can't even do my job because I got to deal with your bullshit right. now. You know, and so fucking an hour after the, you know, I get pulled over, I'm finally able to leave after wasting all that fucking time. Meanwhile, I got an emergency going on, you know, another town over and I'm dealing with your bullshit over nothing, over a, over a fucking license plate. Turns like. out you weren't driving at two in the morning just for fun. You actually had a reason. Who knew? Right. Exactly. Exactly. I was, I had to get to someplace and they had to make sure that I couldn't get to someplace on time because of nothing. They just wanted to keep me there and hope they could find something, uh, something that was actually illegal because having your license plate light out is not technically illegal. It just, you have to get it fixed. So they give you a ticket, you get it fixed and then you, you know, show that it's fixed and then they, that's no ticket. It's not actually against the law. It's against the law to not fix it. So, you know, whatever. But I mean, you know, just aggravating shit. I had a uh, a buddy of mine uh, at work actually got pulled over and uh, 
same thing. License plate out. And it's funny because or the light was out. And I've actually gotten pulled over for that here in, in the recent. Uh, seems like their go-to. Like the guy pulls me over. Oh, your license plate light's out. But uh, he's like, he can see I'm like in my work uniform and whatever. And he's like, oh, you're coming from work. And like it, my employer is a, a big employer. I think like 2,500 people or something work in the plant. It's a big deal in the area. And, uh, you know, so they know like our shifts and our schedule because, you know, when 400 or 500 people are getting off at work all at the same time, you're bound to run into that. Right. And I get off and, and I'm heading home and the guy pulls me over and he sees my work outfit there. And he's like, Oh, you're coming from work. All right. Um, I pulled you over for your license plate light, but you can go. And I'm like, yeah. And then I check when I get home and, and it's fine. And then it's funny. So I was talking to another coworker and he's like, yeah, I got pulled over the other day. And I'm like, all right. He's like, yeah, they said my license plate light was out, but it was weird because I got home and it was working just fine. So I can't figure it out. I'm like, yeah, I can yeah. figure it out. Yeah. They pulled you over for fun to see if there was something right. they could fuck with and you over. But so, but that's, this kid, that's like, how it goes. yeah, it was a girl cop and she frisked me. It was great. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, you're oh, an shit. idiot. He's like, yeah, she, uh, she pulled me over and, and I was like, yeah, I have a, a concealed carry. Cause, uh, where we are, you're required to tell them when, uh, when they pull you over that you have a concealed carry. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I have a concealed carry. And he tells her about it, tells her where it is. And it's not like in his pocket or anything. And she makes him get out so right. she can frisk him so she can feel safe. But he's like, I already told you I have a gun. I told you where it why is. Why would you have the fucking license? Yeah. Why would you tell somebody if you were intending on doing something shitty? It's just the stupidest thing. You know, anytime I've been pulled over and I, I've told a cop <clears throat> that I have a concealed carry, they're like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. And I'm like, well, it's the fucking law that I tell you. So that's why I tell you. I didn't come up with the law. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Right. You know, we, I don't care. I'm like, well, that's great. But yeah, because I look old and tired and slow. That's why. They're like, yeah, that guy can't fucking yeah. do shit. He can't fucking move. He looks like he hurts. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But bottom line, CB's badass. Um, like I said, it's it really is a thing where you get that can do attitude and that's what people are looking for. And I'm just saying, if you're going to commit a life to, you know, now if you're going to be a lifer in the military, then I think maybe the seals and EOD or army ranger and some kind of badass. I, I, that's probably the direction I'd go. But if there's any, you know, if you're just like, Hey, I want to do my four years or my six years and, and, you know, just right, kind of do some GI time, bill GI or whatever, bill, it is. whatever. Find a skill that, you know, is going to really take you somewhere and help you kick ass in the future. And it turns out, although you are doing a service and helping people in the military and it's good, you can do help people and be good by doing other things in the civilian world too. So taking those skills and, and being able to apply it in the, uh, in the rest of the world while at the same time actually getting paid, it's not a horrible thing. So mm -hmm. anyway... If you guys have show ideas, things you want to talk about, things you want to yell at Kevin about, tell him about how he's wrong, 
Um, you can email us at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Um, you want some badass gear? You might go to uh, preppingbadass.com or otherwise, I would say stay safe and have a good week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self Defense Radio Network. <laughs> Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more.